Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Simple Clairvoyance, Partial, Chapter 3. The experiences of the untrained clairvoyant, and be it remembered that that class includes all European clairvoyants except a very few, will, however, usually fall very far short of what I have attempted to indicate. They will fall short in many different ways, in degree, in variety, or in performance, and above all, in precision. Sometimes, for example, a man's clairvoyance will be permanent but very partial, extending only perhaps to one or two classes of the phenomena observable. He will find himself endowed with some isolated fragment of higher vision without apparently possessing other powers of sight which ought normally to accompany that fragment or even to precede it. For example, one of my dearest friends has all his life had the power to see the atomic ether and atomic astral matter and to recognize their structure, alike in darkness or in light, as interpenetrating everything else. Yet he has only rarely seen entities whose bodies are composed of much more obvious lower ethers or denser astral matter, and at any rate is certainly not permanently able to see them. He simply finds himself in possession of this special faculty without any apparent reason to account for it or any recognizable relation to anything else. And beyond proving to him the existence of these atomic planes and demonstrating their arrangement, it is difficult to see of what particular use it is to him at present. Still there the thing is, and it is an earnest of greater things to come, of further powers still awaiting development." There are many similar cases, similar I mean not in the possession of that particular form of sight, which is unique in my experience, but in showing the development of some one small part of the full and clear vision of the astral and etheric planes. In nine cases out of ten, however, such partial clairvoyance will at the same time lack precision. Also, that is to say, there will be a good deal of vague impression and inference about it instead of the clear-cut definition and certainty of the trained man. Examples of this type are constantly to be found, especially among those who advertise themselves as test and business clairvoyants. 
I think it's important for us to note and remember that, you know, when he's talking about lower atomic etheric matter and then denser, like, beings as in the dead or, or discarnate spirits and the layers of, of mental and astral and spiritual etheric matter and astral fluid planes, you got to remember that this essentially is all being made up. I know, I know, I know. I see stuff. Um, but the structure and framework of how this is being described, especially a hundred years ago and how it's described to you, you got to take with not salt. You got to take it with an understanding that these are impressions people are having. And just because they're trying to explain it in pseudoscientific terms or because it fits a Vedic or Eastern or Western or occult framework or someone else's or they're trying to build on a theory put forth by Annie Besant or Blavatsky or Steiner or any of these older occultists just because, I mean, you see this with alien hypothesis, you know, the alien theories. Someone says one theory and the next person wants to be taken seriously so they have to incorporate or explain away that previous person's theory without ever the question of being proven coming in to view so um actually you know my fellow dear canadian friend sabrina says it from her tradition there are no wrong impressions just wrong interpretations so think of that in terms of astral sight or clairvoyance or psychism We get impressions. Our impressions are real. They're filtered by us, and then we interpret them. And what we're reading here are some very old interpretations by an old, dead, white dude who uh, apparently, uh, you know, did some uh, sketchy things with uh, Blavatsky and kids. So the only thing that is really of interest to me is when you read some of these old theorists and uh, experiencers of such things, sometimes they'll point something out and describe it and you'll be like, I have experienced that. I didn't know how to describe it. I didn't know any, I had any idea of what it could mean, but now I think I have some better idea or a language in which to frame it. But again, always be very cautious before you think you are absolutely certain on what exactly happened. The most powerful psychic I ever knew in my life as a young person turned out to be not psychic, well, but rather, um, how do you say it, schizophrenic. But that didn't manifest till later. And up until then, I just thought they really could see fairies physically with their eyes, and, and I was just uh, less fortunate. But it turned out they were mentally ill, and I think a lot of these people in the past were mentally ill. Anyway, moving on. Then again, there are those who are only temporarily clairvoyant under certain special conditions. Among these, there are various subdivisions. Of course, there are. There's always subdivisions, right? Some being able to reproduce the state of clairvoyance at will by, again, setting up the same conditions while with others it comes sporadically, without any observable reference to their surroundings, and with yet others the power shows itself only once or twice in the whole course of their lives. The reason I think uh, Gulen Dawn often didn't have a natural psychics is, is something that I experienced in my years there. Um, the people who didn't come in with 
uh, a lot of natural woo-woo abilities tended to get much more controlled and precise experiences from everything from pathworking to tatwas to scrying to uh, eventually uh, seership. Um, they just seemed to have less garbage or baggage or, or they would just take their visions as they came and it popped into their heads without too much struggling and, and, and all of that. It's, it's, an, it's a weird phenomena that I just thought I'd share. To the first of these subdivisions belong those who are clairvoyant only when in the mesmeric trance, who when not so entranced are incapable of seeing or hearing anything abnormal. These may sometimes reach great heights of knowledge and be exceedingly precise in their indications, but when that is so, they are usually undergoing a course of regular training, though for some reason unable as yet to set themselves free from the leaden weight of earthly life without existence. In the same class, we may put those, chiefly Orientals, dear Lord, who gain some temporary sight only under the influence of certain drugs <laughs> or by means of the performance of certain ceremonies. The ceremonialist sometimes hypnotizes himself by his repetitions and in that condition becomes to some extent clairvoyant. More often, he simply reduces himself to a passive condition in which some other entity can obsess him and speak through him. Sometimes, again, his ceremonies are not intended to affect himself at all, but to invoke some astral entity who will give him the required information. But, of course, that is a case of magic and not clairvoyance. Both the drugs and the ceremonies are methods emphatically to be avoided by anyone who wishes to approach clairvoyance from the higher side and use it for his own progress and for the helping of others. The Central African medicine man or witch doctor and some of the Tartar shamans are good examples of the type. Those to whom a certain amount of clairvoyant power has come occasionally only and without any reference to their own wish have often been hysterical or highly nervous persons with whom the faculty was to a large extent one of the symptoms of a disease. Its appearance showed that the physical vehicle was weakened to such a degree that it no longer presented any obstacles in the way of a certain modicum of etheric or astral vision. An extreme example of this class is the man who drinks himself into delirium tremens and in the condition of absolute physical ruin and impure psychic excitation brought about by the ravages of that fell disease, is able to see for the time some of the loathsome elemental and other entities which he has drawn round himself by his long course of degraded and bestial indulgence. There are, however, other cases where the power of sight has appeared and disappeared without apparent reference to the state of the physical health, but it seems probable that even in those they could have been observed closely enough. Some alteration in the condition of the etheric double would have been noticed. Those who have only one instance of clairvoyance to report in the whole of their lives are a difficult band to classify at all exhaustively because of the great variety of the contributory circumstances. There are many among them to whom the experience has come at some point supreme moment of their lives when it is comprehensible that there might have been a temporary exaltation of faculty which would be sufficient to account for. In the case of another subdivision of them, the solitary case has been the seeing of an apparition, most commonly of some friend or relative at the point of death. Two possibilities are then offered. 
for our choice, and in each of them the strong wish of the dying man is the impelling force. That force may have enabled him to materialize himself for a moment, in which case, of course, no clairvoyance was needed, or more probably, it may have acted mesmerically upon the recipient and momentarily dulled his physical and stimulated his higher sensitiveness. In either case, the vision is the product of the emergency and is not repeated simply because the necessary conditions are not repeated. There remains, however, an irresolvable residuum of cases in which a solitary instance occurs of the exercise of undoubted clairvoyance, while yet the occasion seems to us wholly trivial and unimportant. About these, we can only frame hypotheses. The governing conditions are evidently not on the physical plane, and a separate investigation of each would be necessary before we could speak with any certainty as to its causes. In some such it has appeared that an astral entity was endeavoring to make some communication and was able to impress only some unimportant detail on its subject, all the useful or significant part of what it had to say failing to get through into the subject's consciousness. In the investigation of the phenomena of clairvoyance, all these varied types and many others will be encountered, and a certain number of cases of mere hallucination will be almost sure to appear also, and will have to be carefully weeded out from the list of examples. The student of such a subject needs an inexhaustible fund of patience and steady perseverance, but if he goes on long enough, he will begin dimly to discern order behind the chaos, and will gradually get some idea of the great laws under which the whole evolution is working. It will help him greatly in his efforts if he will adopt the order which we have just followed, that is, if he will first take the trouble to familiarize himself as thoroughly as may be with the actual facts concerning the planes with which ordinary clairvoyance deals. If he will learn what there really is to be seen with astral and etheric sight, and what their respective limitations are, he will then have, as it were, a standard by which to measure the cases which he observes. Since all instances of partial sight must of necessity fit into some niche in his whole, if he has the outline of the entire scheme in his head, he will find it comparatively easy with a little practice to classify the instances with which he is called upon to deal. We have said nothing as yet as to the still more wonderful possibilities of clairvoyance upon the mental plane, nor indeed is it necessary that much should be said, as it is exceedingly improbable that the investigator will ever meet with any examples of it, except among pupils properly trained in some of the very highest schools of occultism. For then it opens up yet another new world, vaster far than all those beneath it, a world in which all that we can imagine of utmost glory and splendor is the commonplace of existence. Some amount of its marvelous faculty, its ineffable bliss, its magnificent opportunities for learning and for work is given in the sixth of our theosophical manuals, and to that the student may be referred. All that it has to give, all of it at least that he can assimilate, is within the reach of the trained pupil. But for the untrained clairvoyant, to touch it is hardly more than a bare possibility. It has been done as in mesmeric trance, but the occurrence is of exceeding rarity, for it needs almost superhuman qualifications in the way of lofty spiritual aspiration, and absolute purity of thought and intention upon the part of both the subject and the operator. To a type of clairvoyance such as this, and still more fully to that which belongs to the plane of next above it, the name of spiritual sight may reasonably be applied. 
And since the celestial world to which it opens our eyes lies all around us here and now, it is fit that our passing reference to it should be made under the heading of simple clairvoyance, though it may be necessary to allude to it again when dealing with clairvoyance in space, to which we will now pass on. Well, I do not think I will do the final two chapters of space and time of this book, um, most likely, but the the final uh, reference to spiritual sight, which Leadbeater is discussing, I think is the, the only one really worth pursuing. It's the only one, in my experience, that most people get trained in, in, in uh, GDO orders or other magical groups, um, as far as etheric and lower astral sight. Uh, yeah, some of their opinions here are strange and don't line up with my experiences, and some of them do. Some things line up, some things don't. Have your own experiences, experiment, don't go crazy, don't be a tool. Cheers. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk